Good afternoon, Franz Keilhofer. Welcome on VH Berries. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon. I believe your journey is going beyond woods. It's a way to reconnect with nature and find a sort of peace. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. So, you, you know, times are changing so quick and you're like replacing your mobile phone once a year but I can make things that can last for generations so this is something that really calms you down and yeah in, in this hectic and stressful times that we're living in it's really like an anchor for you to to, to ground so you are doing a things that is called wood turning it's like pottery um, except you have no room for mistakes yeah i always say it's it's exactly like pottery just the other way around so a, a potter builds something up from a, a lump of clay and i have a piece of wood and i take things away until there is only left what, what I want to be left. And as you said, um, if, if I do thicker pieces, then I always can, can do one more cut. But if it's, if it's already thin, then there is one chance to make it right. <laughs> yes, this is very interesting because this is going in only one sense. Wood is a hard material and you're taking away some materials from it. Yeah, exactly. But actually, if you have the right technique and the, the tools are sharp, then sometimes it feels like cutting butter. But um, yeah, except all the dust and the noise, of course. <laughs> Franz Kaihofer, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? So um, I... I started uh, with an apprenticeship as a high precision engineer in plastic injection molding. So um, something in, in one hand similar and in the other hand uh, different. Um, then I started to study science of engineering and then at some point I, I just didn't feel well anymore. So. I felt like very unhealthy and was was really tired all day long. And after some time, I I find I found out that I had uh, mental issues. And uh, during the time it took me to recover, I started wood turning as a hobby. And I I couldn't walk up stairs without being completely exhausted. But somehow I could be on the lathe the whole day without feeling exhausted at all. So I thought like, okay, maybe this is it. And um, since then, I, I never looked back. And uh, basically two years after the first try on the lathe, I became self-employed as a wood turner. And before recovering, were you in another location? Because right now, um, you are located at the top bottom of Germany, at a 20-minute drive from Austria. Yeah, um, I, I've always lived 
here, also my my family and and several generations before. Um, so the the first recordings of our house, I, I think, are from the 15th or 16th century, and I don't know how long my family actually lives here, but it's it's way back several generations. So this is kind of the same forest, the same environment that it was when you were younger. Yeah, and and it's the same forest that my grandmother uh, took the trees from to to build our house, or when when they rebuilt some parts of the house, they they used also the trees. So it's not only the material I'm I'm working with right now. It's it's also the material our house has been built from, and everything around on the farm. And Franz Kairhofer, there is an environmental part that is very important for you, um, because you always make sure, for example, uh, to cut the tree that only are uh, five kilometers around you. Yeah, so most of the material I work with, so let's say 99.9% um, is locally sourced. So some of the trees even come from our own forest, but I don't like the idea of cutting down trees that are still healthy and good just for my, for my needs. So I, I look around in the area that that's around my my workshop and there are a lot of farms and if one of the farmers cuts down a tree which is good for me then i just ask if i can use it and so it's it's really short distances and most of the trees would would have been cut down anyway so the the least of the trees i'm working with are cut down just for my needs So it's, I, I would say it's pretty sustainable. Sure. And when I took a deeper look on wood, I have something that I didn't understood. Um, this is the thing that sometimes you are using wood that is dry. And sometimes, you know, there, there is rain in the forest. So there is a difference. Yeah, so there, there are basically two kinds of wood turning. You can turn wood that has been dried, so that, that is dry. This means it's, it's a lot harder, but it doesn't move anymore. So it, it doesn't twist, it doesn't bend, it's, it, it stays in the same shape. And, and then you can work with wood that has just been cut down. So there is a lot of moisture in the, tr inside the wood. It's shrinking, it's twisting, it's sometimes it's cracking during the drying process. And then there are two possibilities. Sometimes I just turn the, the finished bowl right from the green wood. So from the, from the wood that hasn't been dried. And sometimes I, I turn a bowl from the green wood that I leave a lot thicker. And then it's dried, then it changes shape. And then I put it back on the lathe and turn it a second time so it's perfectly round and even. That's ironic, friends, because um, I saw on your videos that you are using 
very simple tools uh, in the process of making uh, wooden bowls, for example, pencils. That's ironic because it's made of wood also. Yeah, and, and I, I, I guess the, the first wood turning lathes has, had been completely out of wood. So the, <laughs> the, the, the prototype lathe, so the first ones, uh, the, which are called, um, um, oh, I, I don't, uh, pole lathes that they have almost completely been made out of wood and there are still people that are working on those kind of machines nowadays but uh, if you look at the number of bowls I'm turning I, I prefer to have a motor rather than doing all with my <laughs> with my body you just mentioned it earlier um, before working with wood you were more into metals and metals have a characteristic that wood doesn't have Um, because we can melt it to create new stuff with it. Yeah, um, but, but I wouldn't say that this is the biggest difference. The, the, the biggest difference is, I think, that wood is so much easier to form and shape. So the, the machineries are actually, in, in a lot of aspects, the same, but while metal is a very cold and and not a, a living material, wood really is. So it's wood is warm, it's it's very easy to form, you, you don't need this many and this expensive machinery. So it's it's just yeah you, you can give it whatever shape you, you want and of course you, you can recycle um, metal but at least if I mess up a bowl, I, I can still cut it into pieces and uh, make my workshop warm in the winter because my, my oven is also always hungry. We definitely have to try to try to combine the two materials. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I'm, I'm still using metal, but now it's for my tools. So I, I'm still working with metals, but Now it's just the tools and, of course, all the machinery I use. So it's, it's still a lot of metal involved, but from, for, yeah, just from the tools side. I sense that in your work and your philosophy of life, you are very close to stoicism because um, you are uh, self-controlling every step of the process, trying to avoiding the external uh, issues um, so you can have 110% control of your work. Yeah, exactly. W one thing I, I didn't like before I was self-employed is that you always have to re rely on other people. So if, if something needs to be done, the one that is before you needs to do a good job and you need to do a good job and maybe the person after you also needs to do a good job. And, and sometimes um, it's other people's mistakes that you have to, to fix. And now I, since I do everything my own, it's, if it's good, then it's, it's my, Let's say it's my fault, and if it's bad, it's also my fault. But but I, I think it it wouldn't be funny to to work as an employee for me because I I think no one could it 
make exactly the way that I had it in my mind. So I, I think it's it's better when <laughs> when I just work for myself. And I, I have to say I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And when I started, this was really good on on one hand because if you if you're stopping too early like you say oh that's good enough then you never become really good but sometimes you also need to come to a point where you say okay that's good but but this was a really hard process because i always knew okay there is a little mistake and, and there is some scratch and and it always took me some time to really appreciate my own pieces but but i think i now have a a healthy kind of perfectionism that helps me to do good work, um, but is also not too extreme to, to make me feel bad about my own work. And in your mind, you have, as you say, your perfectionism, but also a very special uh, schedule um, in which I'm very interested into. Uh, so, for, for example, concerning the the cutting the trees uh, part, are you doing it like once a month and then you have a whole uh, a stock to work on? Yeah, sometimes when I do really artist artistic work, then I just cut one piece. Then I do all the steps with one single piece that I have the, the process not interrupted, that I can really dive deep into this one piece but usually I spend several weeks just cutting uh, trees with a chainsaw so I, I call it filleting so select the parts that I want to use and that I don't want then I spend some time just cutting it into circles on the bandsaw and then I put it on the lathe and then I I turn up to 160 bowl blanks, so prototype bowls a day. So I, I, it's very rare that I do it from start to finish in, in one day. I always try to do more than one thing. And it's also, the, the first reason is because you learn more if you repeat the same process over and over again. And you, you also have to be effective. So I, I have to earn money which is not that easy most of the times. So at least I need to be quick at the not so important steps that I can take my time for the important steps and make it as good as possible. And concerning this locally sourced wood, is there any limitation uh, or control about the wood you're cutting? Is there a limit, for example? Um, so, so last year I was very fortunate to get a very big elm and um, the, the owner of the tree, so they had to cut it down because the tree uh, already was dead and it was dead for like two years and they wanted to save the wood so they, they tried to find someone who can use it but the tree was 1.2 meters in diameter which is very big and it's also very heavy. So it's not so easy to find someone who, who wants to, to process this wood because this really, this really eats on the substance of your body. So working with so heavy pieces is, is no fun at all. And I would say, so this is like a tree that I, 
I, I don't need to do this every year. So I would say so to be comfortable with, I would say 80 centimeters are a, a good size. And of course, if I can get such a big old tree, then I will always use it. But this is something you feel in your hands and in your muscles even works, uh, even weeks after you, <laughs> you, you finished all the pieces. Franz Kailhofer, now I know that you're a genius in wood. So have you ever thought of, for example, having some uh, apprentice because you were an apprentice before in metal? Um, I, there are um, always people that are asking for an internship, but basically it's it's hard for me to find enough customers to, to sell what I can produce myself. So even sometimes one person is, is too many persons in, in my company. So of course that would be pretty different, uh, difficult to have an, um, to have an apprentice. And also I'm, I'm not a master wood turner which is something you need to be in Germany that you can have an uh, apprentice. So, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even if I would want to, but fortunately I, I also don't want to. <laughs> because I was saying that because, for example, you have a workshop, you know, where customers can come and uh, buy some of your work. So maybe this person can help to make the sales while uh, you are cutting the trees, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's say there are, there are some, some parts of the year where there are two weeks without a single customer. So it would be pretty boring. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really something that, that I, I can do on my own. And I, I was giving wood training classes at some point of my, my wood training career. But at some point I found out that I, I want to do the wood training myself and not to teach other people how to do it. It's, it's not that I don't like to explain. And when I do, when I work at craft events, then, then I'm happy to help people that have questions, but I, I just don't want to do classes anymore. And especially since I'm also self-employed as a math tutor, I have 20 hours of teaching every week. And so I, I don't need to do the, the teaching in the wood turning. I was just going to mention it. Maybe that you are not uh, teaching about wood turning, but you are definitely teaching about math. Yeah. So, um, I, I think it's, it's the same in, in every country. I, I think being not good at math is like a universal thing. So, uh, having, having students that need help with math is, is much easier than to find people that want to buy my, my, my wood turning craft. And so, to, to be independent as a woodworker, to be independent as a craftsman and to be able to really do what I want and what I like, I of course need some other things that earn me money that is, that is guaranteed. So I'm teaching 20 hours every week maths and I mostly prepare children for their final exams. 
And this is, it's not always easy money, but it's, it's guaranteed money. And this takes a, a lot of pressure off. And yeah, so I also like moths, but you, you know, working with adolescent children or, or children that just, um, uh, coming of age, it's, it's not always a, a, a funny thing. It's can be stri pretty stressful at sometimes. <laughs> That's very accurate because you are very good in math and math are required when you want to make a perfect uh, sphere, which is the most simple thing uh, in appearance, but also the hardest in reality. Yeah, and, and I have a fear with me, so I can show it to the camera. Um, so this is from, from you. And I also want to describe it. So you is a very, it's almost a, a chocolate-ish kind of wood. It smells really good. It's, it's unfortunately, it's poisonous, but you, you usually don't put a sphere in, in your mouth. So it's, it's not too bad. It's not that big of a problem. Um, and yeah, it's, so for someone who sees a, a wooden sphere, It, it's like magic. So how can you do this? How, how is it attached to the lathe? And turning a wooden sphere needs a lot of accuracy, but it's actually not that difficult. So a lot of things in wood turning seem like sorcery to, to someone who, who is not a wood turner. But uh, a wooden sphere is not the most difficult to, uh, thing to turn, actually. But, but it's, it, it looks Yeah, it, I, as I said, it, it looks a bit like sorcery to, to someone who is not a woodturner. <laughs> a person that is very important to your eyes is uh, your wife, Nadine Kainhofer. She is a photographer, a full-time photographer, and she also uh, works with you sometimes. Yeah, we, we, we are both, um, so I, I don't like the word influencer. So we see ourselves more as content creators and it, it goes perfectly hand in hand because, um, we, we very often work with magazines, uh, for example, that want to do an, an article about traditional crafts. And so they, they don't need to send a photographer because I have a photographer at home and she's always available for me. And so she, she has the one who is in front of the camera as her husband and I have her as a photographer and also as my wife. So we, we can do a lot of things together. And when, when I need photography of me working, then, um, I, I can just, um, just, uh, go go a few meters upstairs and, and ask her if she has time and I also can can help her as uh, a, a model because sometimes she needs someone in front of the camera uh, without the context of craftsmanship and I I'm also able to take a decent photo so sometimes I also can help her when she has a photography shop that needs more than one people uh, one person I have to admit that we can recognize both of you very easily because you both have a lot of tattoos on your arms 
Yeah. <laughs> so this, this before we met, we we both have been already tattooed, but of of course um, we are now together for over eight years. So. Uh, a lot of the tattoos came after we we got to know each other, but this this was not. Uh, I I didn't uh, specifically look for a, a tattooed girl, so this was just by accident that we we were both tattooed. A tattoo is like a customization of of the body, and uh, you can also customize the wooden balls. For example, if you add some patterns, some designs on it. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I really like to. So, so wood itself is has already a texture. So you, you can not only enjoy it with your eyes, you can also touch it and, and feel it. And again, I have one of my pieces here, um, a, a textured bowl from from oak, and I I describe it for those who don't have the video. So it's. On the inside, it's it's very smooth, and on the outside, it has this this texture. And when you take it with your hands, you you can really you you can not only explore it with your eyes and and discovering knots and imperfections. You you can also also touch it and and really ex explore it with all of your senses and. Some of the pieces also have a, a smell that is very use, uh, unique to the, the wood that you're working with. And um, I'm, I'm not only enjoy to, to work with textures, and um, I, I also enjoy working with other things like special colors. And I, I, I can talk about a bit more about that if, if this is might inter maybe interesting. Yeah, I um, so those who, who follow me on, on Instagram maybe have noticed that I I've, I'm a bit of a Japan enthusiast. Two years ago, I have been to Japan first, and it, what really fascinated me about Japan is that they they the the level of dedication to traditional craftsmanship is, is really on a, on a different level and people are so dedicated to, to do the very best of work that they are able to do. And then I found out about a natural indigo, uh, indigo dyeing um, and a process called shibori. And this was totally fascinating because people were able to, to create beautiful patterns with just fabric and indigo. And after I came back home, I, I decided I want to, to have this influence my, my work. And then I started working on a new series and I, I managed to, to develop a new method to, to combine natural blue indigo dining and, and wood and so this this really creates a, a beautiful pattern and a, a beautiful deep blue that is really almost impossible to, to achieve with artificial dyes and again those who are watching with the the, the video they 
they can see it on camera that I'm showing the, the Inigo diet piece. And yeah, so I, I try to incorporate the things that I experience into my work. And I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm an artist. I would define myself as a craftsman. But with some projects, I, I'm pretty sure that it's at least comes close to what other people think is art. That's impressive. You mean that you imported new ideas into your work. And in Japan, they have a tradition in which when uh, an object is broken, they are recovering it to show um, the broken part, you know? Yeah, I, I think this as a, the, the, the process itself is it's called kitsungi. So, um, and they are really not trying to repair the pieces that the cracks are invisible. They, they even highlight them. And, um, I, I think it has also to, to something to do with, with the wabi sabi philosophy where they find perfection in imperfection. So, and it's, I really like it. And if you have been to Japan and you, you're looking for old electronics, then you, you can find Game Boys that are centuries, not, not centuries, uh, that are, <laughs> that are decade, uh, decades old. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> that are dec uh, decades old and they just look like new because people really cherish their belongings and also if it's broken they try to fix them and the, they really understand that things get better over time when you care and connect to them. And what is very fascinating, for example, with a single uh, wooden ball object, is that there are multiple usages. For example, you can use it to make a haircut, you know, or to just put your keys in it, or to eat your cereals in the morning. Yeah, it's it's, and a, a lot of people really don't think that wood is this versatile. So it it took myself a few years before I had the first wooden salad bowl and but but after I tried it then all the, the salad bowls we now have are from wood and we, we even have uh, noodles from a wooden bowl so a, a lot of people underestimate the, the possibilities that wood offers and it's also more hygienic than plastic for example so a, a wooden cutting board or a wooden salad bowl is much more hygienic than um, a plastic one, actually. And in the past or in the present, have you ever done some out-of-context object, for example, some uh, giant uh, sculpture? Mm, I'm, I'm always thinking of that, but um, I... Uh, I don't want to force it. So I, I think when you're experienced as a craftsman, you can see the difference between something developing naturally or someone who's trying to force it. So there are a lot of people who, who are trying to force making art, but this is something that really doesn't work and, and you also can feel it in the finished object. But I, I sometimes do just so the, the sphere that I, I just described, 
what is about 10 centimeters, but I have also a wooden sphere that is 80 centimeters and that can only be moved around with a crane. And, and I think this, this is pretty close to a sculpture, but I, I really have no talent in, in sculpting. So all the shapes that I'm doing are kind of mathematical and I, when I do a drawing, it, it looks like a five-year-old did it with his toes. So I'm, I'm not good at this kind of things. I'm just, I, I would say that I have a natural talent for shapes, but, but just really in the mathematical way and not in, in a sculptural way. So this is what I really invite my wife for because she's not only a photographer, but also an illustrator. And she's, she's really an, an artist. And yeah, as I said, I, I can do wood turning and I think I'm pretty good at wood turning, but everything else aside from that, I'm, I'm just really poor. <laughs> if I understood correctly, yes, the giant sculpture is coming, but in 20 years. Yeah, maybe when it comes naturally. So I, again, I don't want to force it. Thank you so much, Franz Kaihofer. Yeah, thank you for, for, for doing the podcast with me.